Welcome back to Love Under Lockdown, a podcast that follows four couples as they navigate living together and apart during quarantine. I'm Pallavi Kutamasu. This is week three. Last week, we met Jess, whose job as an ER doctor made it impossible for her to quarantine with her fiancé and toddler. Sari was trying to maintain a sense of intimacy, despite Whitney being sick with the coronavirus. And Brandy and Mary were adjusting to being physically together, but growing emotionally apart. This week, we're meeting the final of our four couples, Edwin and Kelsey, and their three-year-old son, Wolfgang. They're both in their 20s, and they've been together for six years. The pandemic has created new and unexpected challenges for this young family. My name is Kelsey. I'm 24 years old and I'm a legal assistant and a clerk at a law firm. My name is Edwin. I'm a 28-year-old retail worker in Los Angeles, California. And I am not currently working due to a coronavirus. Edwin, Kelsey, and Wolfgang live in a small studio apartment in East L.A. It's... For a two-year-old and two adults, I think it's kind of roomy, but as time goes on, he's going to grow up into the space. I guess we're excited because, you know, we're seeing a lot more of each other and having a lot of um, family time because he's home and I'm home. And of course, our son is home. We tend to have movie nights and stuff like that. So that was pretty cool because before he would work at night and I would work in the morning, so our schedule wouldn't really match. And by the time he gets home, I'm just like exhausted and I don't, I don't want to deal with him or anyone at that point. So right now we kind of have more time to rebalance our relationship and talk a little bit more and kind of fall in love again. She looks like a freshly baked chocolate brownie with just the right amount of milk. He has a shaggy hair with A little dashing of white hairs already. I tried to tease him and try to pull it out, but he would never let me. We've been together for almost six years now. We met at work back in 2014 at a store called Abercrombie & Fitch. I was working on the woman's tops and she was on the bottoms. And when I walked in and I said, hey, you guys need any help? He helped me folding clothes, which I thought that was really nice of him. I just don't remember what she said. When I looked up, she was glowing kind of orange. And it was kind of weird because I never felt that. And it was kind of like, I don't want to put religion in this, but like Virgin Mary kind of thing. You know, like how they describe it of like she was shining to Juan Diego and then everything happened from there. I was like, well, that's weird. I want to get close to her. I didn't have a car. It was a struggle taking the bus. I was like, okay, I'll give you a ride, you know? Because for me, it was a reason to kind of spend time with her, like just getting to know her. I don't know. I I find it romantic. I believe it was our second date. We went to uh, Dede Ree's, which is like a ice cream cookie parlor here in LA by uh, UCLA. It was after work where we went, and there was like a freaking long, crazy line. I remember I hated that line, but the ice cream was so good, so it was all worth it. 
he was being sweet and I'm just being like blah somewhere before the ride home I rejected his kiss that's what I recall I don't know I'm sorry okay that's what I recall that's what I'm not even saying anything <laughs> your you eyes your eyes are choking me <laughs> in the valley it's a bunch of mountains and you know it's really scary especially at night I had a messed up 92 Civic Honda so when we were driving back it was raining and the tires just kind of slipped a little bit and the car kind of skid oh you almost killed me i just kept talking to her and kind of kept my cool she wouldn't like worry or anything like that and then i just kept driving all the way to her house I was opening up to him. I was like telling him my past relationships and what happened and all the backgrounds of that relationship and like what I was going through with my family. And talking to him, it just felt light. Like it was like a really light conversation. I didn't have to like force myself to like say all those things. It just like burst, I guess. And it, it really felt comfortable, you know, to have someone to talk to him about it. And, you know, it did help me move on. And he helped me, um, kind of cleared my head. I wasn't thinking all the negative stuff. It's like I found a new person. We like talked in the car by my house, my old house with my mom. We live in front of the elementary school where their um, their mascot is a panda. So like on their mural on the side of the school, it had like pandas all over it. When we got there, you know, we just kind of looked at each other. I remember grabbing her by the wrist and kind of like pulling her back. And she's like, what happened? And then I just went in for the kids. And then she was like, aren't we moving too fast? I was like, what are we waiting for? I grew up only with my mom, right? And I never knew how to deal with somebody in a relationship. With Kelsey, on the first moment, I wanted to give her everything pretty much, right? That's why going out and everything. And I wasn't financially good at that moment. So I just wanted her to be happy, pretty much. And the mindset was, if you love it, let it go. We broke up for like less than a month. He broke up with me. I wasn't happy. Lasted for about like two weeks. I couldn't. I couldn't text my best friend, you know, the person I told everything to. So it broke me. And I texted her, she told me she was pregnant. It was a big shock. I thought it was a joke. She was in Vegas at this point, and she was like, if you love me, you're gonna come down here. I drove my ass to Vegas alone in the middle of the night. Didn't even come home the next day. My mom texted me or she called me and she was like, where are you? And I didn't tell my mom until, you know, I was back that she was gonna be a grandma. Pampers ain't gonna paint themselves, you know? and. A kid's not gonna stop eating just because your bank account's at zero. So I have to do whatever I can. Edwin and Kelsey agreed that if the baby was a boy, Edwin would pick the name. If it was a girl, Kelsey would decide. Then the baby ended up being a boy, so Edwin got to name him and chose the name Wolfgang as his first name, and I got to choose the middle name, which is Mateo. I really like the name Mateo, so that's why I call him Mateo. I'm happy that he got Kelsey's hair and not my hair because my hair it's like corn husk compared to hers where it's kind of like Rapunzel. You got her smile too. It's like a mystery box. 
Sometimes he <laughs> is your boss. Sometimes he's hugging you. Sometimes he's kicking, kicking you. you. Sometimes he's screaming, you know. Sometimes he just wants to be by himself. He he's really a little mysterious little guy. Definitely, I just don't like his tantrums because he um he bangs his head when he's angry. He like bangs his head, which is like really kind of annoying. Or if it's laying down next to you, he'll like turn his body and start kicking you. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he's a kicker. He was diagnosed as an autistic child, and so that's kind of like hard to shake it off because you can't really shake it off from a child and make it like disappear. And it's like I don't want to harm him, and I don't want him harming himself. So it's really tough. Just randomly, you know, he just started screaming like "Yeah!" or like "Oh yeah!" So you just started screaming with him like "Yeah!" He brings so much joy. It's funny. It's like unbelievable. Such a little human can bring so much joy. Mateo has asthma, so we, you know, we want to take care of him and we want to keep him safe. I've been seeing a lot of families with kids, and I wish we had a house or like a lawn and backyard for Mateo to be out. But I, I feel like. Probably slowly, like very slowly, we might take him out for like a walk around the block or something. But the thing is, Mateo does not like to wear masks, so I don't know how to go about that. I would make him wear or keep the mask on his face without him constantly taking it off. There's no doubt that Mateo will learn this pandemic in his history class in the future. With Jess away on the front lines, Fred is juggling being a teacher, professional, and a single father. I'm a Google Calendars maniac. Uh, my day is pretty structured. 7.30, I'm up, uh, I brew the coffee, get the kids, diaper taking care of, all that stuff. Until 8.30, 8.30 to 9.30, I'm on airplane mode to make sure I spend some quality time with the kid. 10 o'clock, we go outside, and we're outside for an hour. So from about a 10 to uh, 11, um, we're doing some kind of activity outside. Then we do some screen time from 11.15 to about 12.15. He eats his food from 12.15 to about one, he's down, out in his sleep sack in bed. I have a lunch from one to two, do not disturbed. Um, then I roll my work calls from 2.15 up until uh, the kid wakes up, 3.30 to 5.30. I'm loosely taking phone calls and just, you know, trying to juggle. 5.45 to 7.15 airplane mode for the kid. Um, dinner, clean up, all that stuff. He goes down about uh, 7.15, 7.30. Then I can turn into a normal human being and I go and check emails and kind of like just pass out. I think my behavior would be different under different circumstances because I would not have spent as much time with my child and I wouldn't have grown this bond. I mean, it's my child. I love my child to death, but it's like, that's my buddy. I'm mad at my kid. He was doing some stuff. And he turned around and gave me this smirk where I was just like, I do that. Like, that's my move. And it, it worked uh, like, a, <laughs> like a charm on me. 
and I I was just like wow like this is happening like this is a little person that actually has some of my you know characteristics and stuff As Fred and the baby bond without her, Jess is doing everything she can to get home as soon as possible. I had this weekend off, actually, which was really nice. I've been working a lot, so it was nice to have a couple days off in a row, especially knowing that starting tomorrow, I'll be working 16 of the next 19 days in the ER to put myself in a position where I can get home and see my boys. We had some vacation planned for the end of May, And I ended up moving all my shifts in May forward and all my shifts in June backwards to try to open up some time so I could have a period of quarantine and get back to the family because otherwise we didn't really know when we were going to see each other again. I'll wait a couple days, get tested for coronavirus, hopefully be negative. (laughs) I come back positive, that will ruin this entire plan. But that would give me a period of at least three weeks at home knowing that like there's an end in sight now, at least that I could get home for a little bit, is like the thing that keeps me going on a daily basis. For Whitney and Sari, things finally seem to be getting better. Well, for starters, Whitney seems to have turned a corner and has been showing less and less symptoms each day. Her energy is growing. I made us okonomiyaki, which is like a Japanese fried cabbage pancake. It was very good. And I'm just very happy because for the first time in what's felt like months, I've been able to cook. I've had the energy to do anything, which feels amazing. And we had sex this morning and we just... It's been so nice to kind of feel like a regular person. I mean, I'm still exhausted all the time, but like, I don't feel like I'm just hanging on anymore. It's honestly kind of amazing, (laughs) like crying a little bit, just like, I'm just grateful that I think that maybe this is over. It's been really nice just to see more life come back into her face, to try to like inch back towards normalcy and levels of intimacy that were always there when we were feeling normal. And I mean, she even like has specifically told me like, look, I need you to hear it from me that this is not a reflection of me being less attracted to you. Nothing has changed. I just, I feel terrible. I feel gross. Not my appearance, but my insides. I just feel gross. It was difficult in a sense of you're feeling love. You want to like express that to the other person. You want to feel that reciprocation. And then it's just like, hey, not right now, please. (laughs) But now we are coming out on the other side of that and very happy about that. Now that Whitney's on the rebound, she calls her roommate, who's had to quarantine with her boyfriend while Whitney recovered. My roommate and I talked for a long time last night, and she wants to come home in about a week or so once she feels like it's really safe. And I really can't wait to have her back. And we've decided that Suri's going to stay. She was like, 
look, if three months ago you'd asked me if Sari could move in, I would have said, hell no. And she's like, but now I'm like, please have him come, have him come here and be safe with us. And let's like keep our little circle intimate and insular and tight and healthy. And she was like, the world is different and everything has changed. And what seems crazy three months ago is just like the norm and is just like how I want to be. So it'll also be kind of like, crowded here, kind of back to like, no, you're a guest here. I do know that we'll be fucking again, so I'm really glad she has a white noise machine in her bedroom. I can say that. (laughs) Things are heating up at Brandy and Mary's as well, but not in the way that either of them expected. There is somebody who has been chatting you up. Chatting me up. Yeah, it's Coincidentally, the universe is weird. We met this person at the same time the day after we broke up. She's my friend's girlfriend's best friend. And they happened to be at Disneyland the day when we went, so the day after we broke up. And she messaged me a couple weeks ago out of nowhere. But And just to clarify, she did not friend request me. Right. No, she didn't. She just out of the blue messaged me saying that she was going to start working from home and... Whatever. I, it was this flirty. weird. Un, no, it was not flirty. It was flirty. There's been nothing flirty about our interaction. So, you don't You don't know when, when well, flirting that's true. is happening. But there's been like You've nothing told me that I recognize it. as being flirtatious. You've told me about it and it's flirty. All right. Well, I don't think so. Anyway, so we've been messaging back and forth. And in my perspective, it has not at all been flirtatious. It has been just friendly. In an objective reality, however, it has been flirting. Brandy has referred to this person as my lady friend. I don't know what else to call her. She's my friend. (laughs) She's your lady friend. We are just friends. Your special lady friend. She's... I swear to God. So, I mean, I guess if I was thinking about dating somebody, then, you know, besides Brandy, because I consider myself dating Brandy currently... I think because, that's accurate. Yeah, because it's it's more than roommates, more than friends, more than exes, different than exes. Different than exes. Yes. I think, I mean, we've always been really good at defining our own relationship in terms of our own rules, guidelines, norms, that sort of thing, and not subscribing to societal input into what it should be. So I guess this other person who has just been exchanging friendly text messages with me. And pictures. She sent me a picture of her and her cat. A few times. No, she sent me one picture of her and her cat and then one picture of just her cat yawning because we had an exchange about the terrifying slash adorable way cats look when they yawn. So she sent you pictures of her pussy. Oh, my God. (laughs) Across town, Fred finally breaks down and calls for reinforcements. Starting to get into a little regimen with uh, just his mom coming to help. We're going to try to get her three times a week. She's been really good about isolating herself, which is why we felt pretty comfortable with her coming over and helping out with the baby since she hasn't been really anywhere. But it's been absolutely amazing. Like, it is a godsend. I cannot imagine if she wasn't around. I don't know what I would do. You'll probably see me in a straitjacket or something. I just... I couldn't be with them on Easter, but they did a little Easter egg hunt around the house with the kid. 
He was trying to grab like two eggs at once and like just running around with like a bottle in his mouth. They sent me all these videos of it and it was like one of the cutest things I've ever seen and one of the memories that I will like treasure from all of this. You know, we FaceTime every day, we talk, we text and stuff like that. So it's not like, you know, I'm deployed overseas somewhere. We have no communication or this is like, you know, the 80s and people are writing, you know, letters to each other. You know, I miss her touch. I miss, you know, her smell. I miss her laugh. I miss that big old forehead of hers. I can't wait till she comes home and I can't wait to embrace her. What I don't want to do is get myself and my young child all amped up on the day and the day before she catches it or something happens. I am going to get up and attend to this baby, make sure the house is not upside down and then go to sleep and wake back up and do it again. I am not doing a countdown so I can get disappointed and upset because I just don't want to get into that space. I don't want disappointment. I don't want anger. I don't want sadness to creep in right now. Jess, too, is trying her best to stay focused on the here and now. The volume of ERs has been down to like 50% of normal because people are actually staying home and not coming for minor complaints or medication refills. And now we are seeing like true emergencies all day long. The people that are coming in are really sick, either COVID related or like, you know, somebody who had a stroke who didn't want to come in for a couple of days because they were scared of getting COVID. Or, you know, we've seen some people with appendicitis that's ruptured now at this point because they waited days and days to come in because they didn't want to come to the hospital and deal with the potential for exposure. So while the volume is still down overall, the percentage of sick patients and the admission rate that we're seeing in the hospital is much, much higher than it's ever been before. And it's hard because, like, I don't think this is going to be over for this country or this world anytime soon. As if everything going on outside wasn't hard enough, Brandy and Mary received some more bad news. So up until yesterday, I've been working from home for the same company. They just did a 52% workforce reduction because three divisions of the company are currently shuttered. So I, as of Monday, don't have work to do. They've terminated a lot of positions, they've furloughed and laid off a lot of people, and I'm caught up in that. Brandy got up and she got on her computer like she normally would, and she was like looking for jobs. I've had a few job interviews for different positions. It's been kind of nice. It almost feels like vacation, except there's a little bit of added stress with the, the fact that 55% of Los Angeles County is currently not working. On the one hand, you know, it sucks to be suddenly out of work, especially since I just started with them about a month ago. On the other hand, I'm actually, I feel more loyal to this company than I did before because of how they have handled themselves and their business streams in this particular pandemic. Instead of saying no or fighting and saying, no, we're an essential business in these states or for these reasons, they've said global health individual people's health matters so much more than whether or not we make money. After making what felt like a full recovery, Whitney suddenly takes a turn for the worse. Today's been really rough. Honestly, I was feeling better. Like I said, last recording, I'd been steadily getting better every day. 
And then today I got hit with like a huge regression wave and I woke up coughing and mucusy and dizzy and just super exhausted again. I keep thinking that just because I've been better for three days or four days or six days or whatever it is that I'm actually healed, but turns out I am not. Mentally, the wear of being sick for over a month is just starting to like get to me and I feel so out of control of my body and that can be really triggering for me. I had an eating disorder for a lot of my life and so I'm not having control over my body is like this, this, it can be a massive trigger. It's just been not a very good day. <laughs> I'm just tired. I'm a little tired. I went to bed surprisingly late last night, which is usually more Whitney's MO. I'm just laying there, staring at the ceiling, trying to fall asleep, and it just doesn't work. There's this looming feeling of the world is ending and everything is fucked and everyone's in trouble and it hasn't even started yet. It's now been well over a month and some Americans are desperate to get their old lives back, even if it puts others in danger. This infuriates Mary and Brandy. It's infuriating to me, the women who are pro-Trump, who say my body, my choice about the stupid masks. When it's like you realize that under Trump, we're losing our right to abortion. You wearing a mask to protect yourself and other people from germs is a completely different issue. These people who want haircuts or want to go to Fuddruckers or want to go to Baskin and Robbins or want to go to the movies or whatever. What they're asking for is they're asking for other people to go back to work to serve them. It's the ultimate exercise in white privilege. There's a disproportionate effect on black and brown communities because black and brown communities are by and large holding the jobs that have been deemed essential. Grocery store clerks, stockers, attendants, gas station employees, nurses. And so for white America to once again assert their right to take up more space is terrorism. It's domestic terrorism. Jess is seeing the direct consequences of this behavior at Coronavirus Ground Zero, the emergency room. I actually talked to Fred like right before I walked into work today and it just kind of turned my mood not the right direction because we were talking, I don't even know how we got on the topic, but we were talking about what was going to happen after I was home and I had to go back to work and like what we were going to do at that point. And it was something that I haven't really thought a ton about. The more I think about it, the more it upsets me. Yes, I'm obviously excited to like get home and be with my family for three, four weeks, but then like I'm going to have to go back to work at some point and like we don't know where this crisis will be and we don't know what the end game is and it's just really, really upsetting <laughs> when I think about it. 
I decided to drive kind of up by the ocean. And I'm right now sitting, looking at the Pacific Ocean, waiting for the sun to set. And it's really, really pretty right now. So there's a couple sailboats out there and the sun's still up in the sky, but the water's really glassy and smooth. There's almost no waves and it's just a really tranquil, pretty sight. I've never before hesitated to assure you that our city is strong. But I won't say those words tonight. Our city is under attack. Our daily life is unrecognizable. We are bowed and we are worn down. We are grieving our dead. But we are not broken, nor will we ever be. On the next episode of Love Under Lockdown, our couples deal with the financial fallout of the virus. Jess gets some bad news from the ER. And Brandy and Mary find themselves at a crossroads. Love Under Lockdown was produced by me, Pallavi Kutamasu. Story editor is Brandon Phibbs. Executive producer is Emmy Norris. Associate producers are Molly O'Keefe and Brendan Galbraith. Audio engineer is Morgan Jaffe. Sound mixer is Tim Dornbush. Original music by Cedric Santens. Love Under Lockdown was based on an idea by Jeanne Boazek. Thank you to the Paradiso team in France, Lorenzo Benedetti, Louis Debussy, and Benoit Deneg. Additional thanks to Michael Norris. And an extra special thanks to the couples who shared their stories with us. Whitney and Sari, Jess and Fred, Brandy and Mary, and Edwin and Kelsey. I hope you all are staying safe. I also broke my dog. Ugh, I feel so horrible. His hair was so long and getting so shaggy. And it's been like 95 degrees every day. It was so hot. I was like, okay, I need to just, I need to groom the dog. And I bought these dog grooming clippers on Amazon like weeks ago. And I've just been like too scared to use it. And I watched a few videos and I was like, all right, I feel like I can do this. And my dumbass used too low of a setting on the clippers and didn't do like a little test patch. I just was like, and Suri was like, what are you doing? But because there was so much hair, he was so fluffy. I like couldn't see exactly what I'd taken off. And he had like, it was, it's so short. My like little scruffy long haired chihuahua now looks like a hairless cat <laughs> because I'd taken off so much with that first swipe. I just like, I had to even it all out. And I know it'll grow back and in two weeks it'll be fine. And it's so hot anyways, it probably feels nice, but he looks, he looks a little bit scary, honestly. I'm a sweet boy. He's staring at me right now, putting his little paws on my on my knee. You're so scary looking. You kinda are. I love you though. Mama loves you.